It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all, looking to bring it open. He's got it! Lazard! Gonna go! Touchdown! Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon! Allen has time. Intercepted! Sauce Gardner's got it, breaking away, Garrett Wilson, Wilson a big play downfield, Allen tripped up, he could not get past Jermaine Johnson, oh look at the speed of Brees Hall, he's done it again, Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown, and he's sacked again by Quinton Williams, what a beast, number 95 for the Jets, listen, This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it's time to review day number one of Jets 2023 training camp. We made it. We made it to training camp. It felt like such a long road to get here and to talk about day number one and help me recap it. Of course, our buddy Robbie Sabo, who is the leader of the Saboholics and the co-founder over at JetsXFactor.com, where he is also the lead reporter, Robbie it's been way too long, my friend, and I don't just mean way too long to get to training camp. I mean, it's been way too long since we recorded a podcast. It's good to hear your voice, my friend. Yes, we are. We are back. And my God, it was hot today. Jeez, I was it was so muggy. I was complaining. I was a little baby all day. Let's get that out of the way first. It's <laughs> one of these days that, as Andy Vasquez would say, you need a gallon of water to carry around. <laughs> that is true. So, Robbie, let's start with the biggest story here that involves a player who's no longer with the Jets. He wasn't there today. He was traded the day before camp started. And some have speculated that maybe part of the reason that the Jets decided to do this now instead of letting it play out is because they didn't want it to become a storyline on hard knocks. Who knows? But we know that the Jets decided they were going to part ways with Denzel Mims. They put word out there. And so they let teams know, if you want Mims, he's available. Everybody knew they could get him without giving up much. The Lions ended up biting. And the reason that they did is because there was a lot of speculation that several teams, including the Patriots, were interested in making a waiver claim. So the Detroit Lions decided they would go out there and they would get Denzel Mims. And this way, they wouldn't have to compete against other teams on the waiver wire, some teams who were ahead of them in terms of being able to claim Denzel Mims. The Jets get a conditional pick. So how this is going to work, Robbie, is if Denzel Mims makes the Lions 53-man roster, then the Jets give up a seventh rounder and get back a sixth. If Mims does not make the Detroit Lions 53-man roster, nothing ventured, nothing lost for the Lions. So basically, the Jets get a little something, and I do mean a little because a six-for-seven swap is not much. It's better than nothing, though. The Jets will get that if Mims makes the Lions 53-man roster. And don't forget, we've got the suspension looming here for last year's first-round pick, Jamison Williams. So there's an opportunity there for Denzel Mims. Jared Goff is a solid quarterback. Lions a team on the rise. If he can find a way to make things happen in training camp, he might stick, which would be nice for the Jets. Again, not a ton going from the seventh round to the sixth round in 2025, but it's something Robbie, you and I, I think, both agreed on Denzel Mims coming out of Baylor. Very promising prospect. He drew some comparisons in the way that he played physically to Brandon Marshall. He wasn't as physically big as Marshall, 
But a lot of that physical style, as Brett Coleman said on the show, it was like a moving boxing match on every play. He was deceptively quick, ran a 4-3-9, although if you watch his tape, he wasn't a straight-up burner at Baylor. Raw route runner, we knew that going in, and that was part of why he slid in the draft. Really good at high-pointing the ball, at least at Baylor, and getting those 50-50 catches. He had some promising moments his rookie year. After he came back from that injury, he looked pretty good for a few games, but then he got sick in training camp in 2021, and he really never recovered, never caught on to the offense. There was some buzz that he was having trouble learning the plays. There was buzz that he wasn't really committing full effort, and so he fell by the wayside. Last year, he requested the trade during the summer. The Jets held on to him, and he ended up getting his chance after everything that went down with Elijah Moore, but every time he worked his way into the lineup and had opportunities, he would squander them either by getting penalties or by dropping passes. He just did not look like the same wide receiver we had seen at Baylor or even his rookie year, to be honest. So everything just went awry for him here with the New York Jets. Now he gets a fresh start with the Lions and an opportunity to catch on. It's sad because, as we said, he was a prospect that we all had high hopes for. And if Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore worked out the way that the team was expecting and the way that the fans were expecting, the Jets would be set up very well at wide receiver for the next bunch of years. You'd have Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, and Garrett Wilson Unfortunately, we'll talk about Garrett Wilson later. He looks like he's the only one that is going to work out, at least for the Jets, because Mims and Elijah Moore are both gone. Moore will have an opportunity with the Browns, and Denzel Mims will have an opportunity now to catch on with the Lions. So, Robbie, bittersweet to see Denzel Mims go, but we all knew it was coming. And I guess in the end, it's better that the Jets got something or the possibility of something rather than nothing. Yeah, I would have been absolutely floored if he was on this roster by week one uh, i mean i wrote it in otas i would have been shocked if he was still on the roster the timing makes all the sense in the world as, as you hit it i mean you, you push the news out there you're in discussions with detroit you push it out there before camp begins so it's not a distraction you don't put him on the field for camp uh get it done target a team that has a need which detroit certainly does and you know, I was all for Mims in the draft. I wasn't crazy about him. I wasn't down on him. I looked at him and said, hey, this he's raw. He could be something really valuable, a good ROI, you know, in the late second round. I was in on that. I was not in on force feeding him, though. And, and it became apparent that he just between the ears is where he's struggling and always struggled since he came into the league. And you can't struggle in that regard. So hopefully he could figure it out in Detroit. And, you know, interestingly with Joe Douglas, those early drafts, Mackay, uh, he doesn't struggle in between the ears per se with, you know, the football stuff, the schemes. It's more the off the field weight stuff and, and all that lifestyle and managing his weight. And then you got Zach Wilson, all those early draft picks. I think Douglas has kind of learned his lesson in terms of mindset and attitude and it contrasts with AVT and Sauce and Garrett Wilson. So I think uh, that Mims story kind of snowballs into that contrasting style with early Joe Douglas picks versus later picks where he's kind of figured it out. Robbie, it's interesting that you mentioned Mekhi Becton because he was a big story today. And he's in all probability going to be the final survivor of that what now looks like very disappointing 2020 draft class Braden Mann already gone. Jabari Zuniga has been long gone. 
Bryce Hall hasn't really worked out. He'll probably be gone. Decent chance Ashton Davis is gone, and he has not played well. We already talked about Denzel Mims. So that draft class, which also included Cam Clark, by the way, who is now retired, that was a medical issue, not entirely anybody's fault, but it has been a complete disaster for the Jets. The only way that it can be salvaged even a little is if Mekhi Becton starts to live up to his promise the promise that we saw his rookie season when he played very, very well, especially for a guy who many believed would be a pretty big project because he didn't have a ton of true pass sets at Louisville. He seemed to be way ahead of schedule, but has missed the last two years with injuries. He was back today. First physical drills on the field with the team since last year's training camp. Your observations, day number one with Mr. Becton. First observation is he's a senior now. I mean, it's Becton Sr. on the back of the jersey. He's taking a page out of Hardy, Justin Hardy's playbook. Uh, so that's the first thing I noticed. Number two, he's everything is true. He's he's in incredible shape. He looks good. Um, is he all the way back to what we saw his rookie year? I, it's tough to know because they're not full contact yet. They're not full pads. It's just shells today. I don't even know if they uh, had shoulder pads on now that I think about it, but not full pads, not full live to the ground, just thumping. And, you know, you got to hope for the best. He played a lot of left tackle today. Him and Turner were rotating. Uh, so with Dwayne Brown not participating in teams and on the field today, he's going to get his opportunity, and he looked good. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Robbie, you just mentioned that Dwayne Brown wasn't participating today. Talk a little bit about that. And then what you saw from the old line Looks like Connor McGovern, at least early in camp, is getting his shot with the ones. It's the right call. You know, Salah, you know, Douglas, this coaching staff, they're going to make the rookies earn it, which they should. I mean, even last year, as laughable as it as it is now, but Sauce and Bryce Hall rotated evenly at this point last year, even mid-August last year. So make the rookie earn it. I think Tipman will win the job um, eventually. And I, I would put money that it's before week one but even if it's not eventually he will Titman's impressive for his height at a center the, the way he stays low and is balanced is pretty incredible um but Mitchell on the right side at right tackle next to AVT AVT back home at right guard he's got to stay healthy and if Lakin Tomlinson does anything you know better than he did last year I mean it could be one hell of an O-line it, it just comes down to availability And Robbie, as they say, iron sharpens iron, which is good because the Jets pass rush should be improved this year. Carl Lawson had an entire year to recover. And you've got Bryce Huff coming back, Jermaine Johnson going into year number two, Will McDonald, the promising rookie. Today, we saw a little bit of that. We saw Jermaine Johnson and Bryce Huff getting in there both for what would have been sacks if these were real plays, of course, that's not how it works in training camp. Nobody's going to go full blast and actually hit the quarterback. But it's nice to see that because you want to see the pass rushers do well and you want to see them help the offensive line get better and vice versa. And so we started to see a little bit of that today. A lot of expectations for Jermaine Johnson off to a nice start day number one. It's a, it's a dangerous group. And yet Huff and McDonald, they are quick and you save them, you, you you let them pin their ears back on in sub packages on passing downs, move JFM or Clemens to the inside, whoever's out there at the time. That's dangerous stuff. And it was on display today. Becton got beat, who was it, by Huff, I believe, on one play. 
So, uh, you know, I started off by saying DB is by far their best position, and I believe that with the elite talent they have. Michael Carter was tremendous today out of the slot to go with Reed and Sauce. That's ridiculous. But D-line isn't too far behind. Talk a little bit more about the defensive backs, because as you said, Aaron Rodgers seemed to have some trouble with DJ Reed and Michael Carter II. Now, obviously, it's just day one, so it was a bit of a getting-to-know-you phase here, and we'll talk about Aaron Rodgers in a second. But it's encouraging to see DJ Reed and Michael Carter pick up where they left off last year. If the pass rushers can have impact getting to the quarterback and the defensive backs can continue to do what they did last year, this Jets defense could be very, very difficult for opposing offenses in 2023. Yeah, they're scary. They're scary, man. And, you know, Rodgers, did he have trouble with those guys early? Yes, but every quarterback is is going to have trouble in that situation because this is the first day of installment in terms of semi-live environment, which means a lot of short stuff, a lot of basic stuff. And the D is always going to be ahead of the offense in that regard. So these guys are jumping quick outs. They're jumping three steps. They're, they're sniffing out screens. There were a lot of screens today. So I don't want to get too much into the strategy, but you know, it was about opportunity with Rogers. He didn't have to do anything spectacular and they didn't ask him to, um, you know, there were some spots where he made some nice plays, but you're right. The story's the DBs and sauce may be legitimately the most valuable non quarterback in this league. It, it might be down to him and Parsons at this point because they are that good to their defensive unit and it's not hyperbole. He's just that damn good. Michael Carter, the second, not the only Michael Carter who was getting in there today. Michael Carter, the running back, getting a lot of touches. You have to figure they're trying to prepare him for Brees Hall being on a strict pitch count to start the season. They want to make sure that Carter is ready to carry more of a workload this year than he did last year. And then, of course, Miko Hardman making an impact today, catching a touchdown in 11-on-11s from Zach Wilson. Robbie, from what you were telling me before we started recording, early on it appears that the Jets seem to have some plans for Miko Hardman Maybe some trick plays, maybe some gadgets. Talk a little bit about what you saw from some of the players on the offense there, including Mr. Garrett Wilson, who has had a lot of people talking him up. We'll get to what was said in the post-practice presser by Alan Lazard in a little bit. But you have heard a lot of buzz that Garrett Wilson going into year number two has Justin Jefferson vibes. That was something that his mentor, Mike Davis, said to me on the show. And when he said it, I sort of rolled my eyes a little bit, not because I don't think that Garrett Wilson is really good, but when Garrett Wilson was coming out of Ohio State, thinking that he could be as good as the guy who I think is far and away at this point, the best wide receiver in the sport, seemed a little far-fetched. But you know what? It's really not that far-fetched, and a lot of other people are seeing it now too. So talk a little bit about Michael Carter, Garrett Wilson, Nicole Hardman, and what you saw from that offensive unit day number one. Hardman is in their plans, like firmly entrenched in their plans. I don't expect him to be in the mix on kick return. Not from anything from what I've seen. I mean, a little bit from what I've seen, but I, it's a, it's a sign to me that he's firmly entrenched in their offensive plans, playing the slot, playing that X factor that I like to call it gadget guy, the Barrios role, but so much more than the Barrios role. You know, he's going to play a lot of slot. Garrett Wilson will too, because Wilson's 
for how young he is, he's excellent at reading defenses from the middle. And that's the toughest part about playing the slot. Uh, but Hardman's going to be in their plans. You know, for you fantasy people, target Hardman late in drafts. Garrett Wilson might have 200 catches this year. <laughs> Just the way, how fluid he is and how smart he is reading defenses, it matches perfectly with the way Rodgers likes to play quarterback because he loves the on time, but off schedule, you know, the, the street ball stuff in, in nuance type plays that it doesn't look like street ball at times, but it kind of is. It flies under the radar because they're just little adjustments in the middle, little adjustments based on the defense. And those two think alike in that regard. So I think Garrett Wilson's going to be a ridiculous stud this year. Corey Davis was kind of quiet today. Um, you know, between the top four, Who's going to get more playing time, Davis or Hardman, is the question right now. I'm leaning more towards Hardman because I think they like Lazard on the outside, especially with Rodgers. Um, but with those four, then they got depth. I mean, trading Mims, the, one of the reasons why they felt comfortable with trading Mims is because they have depth behind those guys. You know, you got Cobb as the number five, and you got a bunch of young guys like Brownlee. And um, I forget the little kid, the little guy who's a little shorter, excellent kick return kid. But they have a lot of young guys. Irv Charles, big body guy. Um, so that's a position that's really deep and uh, a lot of names. Speaking of Randall Cobb, who you just brought up, Robbie, he was not out there today. He's dealing with an injury, as is Jarek Bernard Converse, yep. cornerback slash safety out of LSU by way of Oklahoma State. Robert Sala said he will be out a couple of weeks. Other stuff said by Robert Sala after practice included about hard knocks that everybody knows it wasn't their choice to have hard knocks, but since they have it, they're going to have to step up their game. We heard Mike Tannenbaum, the former general manager of the Jets, say during a radio interview recently that he felt that the team was more focused and the practices were better when they knew that the cameras were on them. Also, Mike Westhoff, the former Jets special teams coach who is now in Denver with Sean Payton, said that after a couple of days, he forgot the cameras were even there, and so did a lot of the other players. So he thinks that people are, are over-exaggerating the effect that Hard Knocks is going to have on the team. Salas said that Brees Hall hit 23 miles an hour on the GPS today as he continues to work his way back. He was asked about Dalvin Cook. He said, Dalvin Cook is a good one, and you never want to say no to a good player, but there is, quote, contractual stuff involved, and he said he'll leave that decision to Joe Douglas. If you read between the lines there, obviously Salah would like to have Dalvin Cook, but it seems like at the moment Cook has priced himself out of the Jets' range. We'll see if that changes at any point. Salah on Aaron Rodgers, quote, he's a coach that can still play football. Sure seems that way, the way that he's been changing the culture by all accounts early on. Salah was asked about the Denzel Mims trade, said that sometimes a change of scenery is a good thing for all parties involved. Wished Mims good luck in Detroit. So, Robbie, your thoughts on what was said by the head coach, Robert Sala, after practice today? I'll tell you what, everyone thinks of Rex when it comes to hard knocks from 2010, right? But Westhoff, that, the episodes with Westhoff, those scenes, it doesn't get better than that. I mean, and I don't buy for one moment Westhoff forgot the cameras were rolling. There's no, there's no freaking way. Uh, that's one. Do you think at any point Sala and Douglas will participate in a field goal kicking competition this summer? <laughs> I have my doubts about that, Robbie. I would think that that is probably not something that you should be betting on. Yeah, that's number two. And then who who was the kid that got hazed in that uh, 
old hard knocks. I forget who his name was, but I don't think that one's going to be happening either. No, I don't think so. I also don't think going back to Mike Westhoff that anybody's going to be telling one of the players trying out for the Jets that he should leave and go open a pizza parlor because he's not good enough to cut it in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I doubt it. I doubt it. But yeah, I generally agree. It's overhyped. You know, the the only... I'm looking around today. The only presence of hard knocks I saw was a group of three or four individuals walking around. So it's not like they were everywhere. Maybe they were, but you know, hidden in plain sight, I guess, but not much of a presence. I, I expected to ramp up a little bit as we hit the weekend with the open practices, but um, you know, and Lazard's quote too afterwards is noteworthy when I forgot who, which reporter it was asked what's the best thing about joining the Jets and the worst. He said Aaron Rodgers was the best and the worst was the taxes, which is a legitimate point that's worthy of another show altogether. Yeah, Alan Lazard did say that, and we'll get to that quote in a second because I laughed when I saw it. He also said there was an eight-hour stretch after he signed with the Jets where he said to Aaron Rodgers, what the bleep, bro, because he wanted to make sure that Rodgers was actually going to be a Jet and he didn't sign here without Rodgers committing to be on the team. Obviously, as we know, Rodgers did commit shortly thereafter. Asked if the Packers' offense is what the Jets are mirrored after, Lazard said it's not the Packers' offense, it's the Aaron Rodgers' offense. That seems to make sense. Remember, one thing that we heard over and over again is that Aaron Rodgers would butt heads with Matt LaFleur a lot. In fact, Rodgers himself said that, and obviously he's more comfortable with Nathaniel Hackett running things. Alan Lazar was asked about Garrett Wilson. He said he sees a huge resemblance between Garrett Wilson and his old teammate, Devontae Adams. He thinks Wilson can ascend to Devontae Adams' level this year. We talked before about the comparisons to Justin Jefferson, but high praise to be compared to those two guys, arguably the two best receivers in the NFL. Like you said, Alan Lazard was asked about what the positive and negative of signing with the Jets was. He said the best part was Aaron Rodgers. The worst part was the taxes. And we've heard that over and over again in terms of other players deciding to go other places. Notably, Tyreek Hill talked about that. But of course, the weather and the fact that Tyreek Hill is from the Miami area helped in that regard as well. But it's always going to be a challenge when it comes to guys that prefer better weather and lower taxes because certain states like Florida don't have a state income tax. That's just the reality of the situation. So, Robbie, your thoughts on everything said by Alan Lazard in his first training camp presser today, day number one. Hey, keep keep uh, bitching about it. That's all I got to say because with the salary cap – and you know, driving for parity, there really should be a, a percentage. There really should be something that alters it in a way where all that stuff is taken into account. But that's for the next off season. Right now, it's about tomorrow. It's about Friday. Then it's about Saturday or Sunday. I mean, hopefully they go full pads by Saturday for the first open practice. Um, perhaps they do. I don't expect it for tomorrow, but we'll see. And today was sort of a. You know, I don't want to say you know, uneventful day, but it kind of was. It was, you know, everyone just getting to know each other, like you said, getting comfortable. Nothing crazy. Salah didn't go long. It was about an hour and a half, definitely under two hours, maybe hour 45 minutes. And the tempo was nice, but, you know, it was a solid first day. Garrett Wilson spoke. He said the biggest thing he's been working on is his get off coming off the line of scrimmage. 
as we know, his quick releases were among the best in the league last year. So if he can improve on that even more, that would make him so much more lethal and almost impossible to guard. Garrett Wilson on expectations for the Jets. Yeah, I ain't going to fake it. We want to win the Super Bowl. It's okay to talk about it. If you want to go get that S, do it. Nice to have goals. And it's good that this team truly believes in itself because you need that kind of confidence to be able to compete at the highest level. Wilson said it's still surreal to him catching passes from Aaron Rodgers, said it still hasn't really sunk in yet. This mirrors a lot of the comments that we heard from Jets players in 2008 when Brett Favre got here. Kerry Rhodes talked about it on the show several years ago when we reviewed the 2008 season. He obviously wasn't catching passes from Favre, but he talked about how he grew up with a poster of Brett Favre on his wall and how it took him a while to truly appreciate the fact that he was on the same team with Brett Favre. You're going to see a lot of that with Aaron Rodgers. That's just the cachet that these legendary quarterbacks bring. So, Robbie, thoughts on Garrett Wilson and the confidence he was exuding on behalf of the team? Yeah, I mean, I'll end with this. Everybody in the NFL is good. Everybody in the NFL has talent. It's about the mindset. And, you know, Zach Wilson has all the talent in the world. He just got destroyed. And I was looking back. He had a great preseason as a rookie. Looked at the stats, 15 to 20, 200 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Okay, in week one against Carolina, that Belichick week two destroyed him. And he hasn't been right since. His mindset has not been right. He's hidden in a cave in in a you know, symbolic sense. Makai, he's trying to work on that comeback. He looks good. But again, the mindset wasn't there. Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, these guys, even Michael Carter, DJ, these guys, their mindset, they're killers. They want everything. They want to stuff your face in the ground and stomp on you. And that's what I see in these kids. And that's what separates the guys who don't make it and the guys who make it. Aaron Rodgers spoke. He talked about how nice of an experience it's been being in New York so far and how much fun he's been having said that it's been great meeting a whole bunch of new people, including Jets legend Nick Mangold, who I guess was there today. Mangold responded as he is prone to do on Twitter with something funny. He said Rogers only likes him because Mangold has given Rogers free barbecue sauce. Never change Nick Mangold. <laughs> Never change. Rogers also said that it's important that the team plays well in training camp, especially with hard knocks being in play, quote, there's a lot of people here. You don't want to look like bleep. I'm excited about people being able to see on national television what we're all about here. Rogers also addressed all the reports last year about him being a little impatient with some of the younger developmental Packers on offense. If you recall, they had Romeo Dubs and Christian Watson, just to name two guys. And those are guys that are promising talents. Watson really got going the second half of the year. Dubs had his moments too, and they may turn into really good NFL players. But anytime you get rookies, especially those two guys who are pretty raw, it's going to be a little frustrating for a veteran quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. He said, quote, you try to rectify some of the things you did a certain way that you could have done better. So I guess that's his way of saying he was a little frustrated Wishes he would have handled it better, but now he's in a different situation where he's got more polished players around him. So, Robbie, your thoughts on Aaron Rodgers talking about hard knocks, as Robert Sala did, and, of course, running into Nick Mangold for the first time, which is always an experience. 
Yeah, I'd love to spend a night on the town with Rogers and Mangold. That would be an experience, I'll tell you. Uh, that's one, and you know, all the ayahuasca in the world. Don't be confused. Aaron Rodgers has that killer mindset as well. It doesn't show all the time, but you know, make no mistake, it's there. And that's why I think this is a great fit and why I think it's going to work out this year. Robbie, last order of business. Jets made a couple of signings today. Defensive back Dane Crookshank, who spent last year with the Bears after a few with the Titans. He's primarily been a safety, also can play a little bit of corner. He is an Arizona alum. And the other signing, wide receiver Alex Erickson. He spent 2016 to 2020 with the Bengals, where he played in 80 games. The last two years, he was with the Panthers and the Commanders. Been a quality punt kick return option over the last couple of years. So he gives the Jets another possibility there. Those two guys, to me, Robbie, are just camp bodies. I wouldn't be surprised if they're gone by sometime in August, but at least they'll have a shot. And it's never a bad thing to add more talent to the mix this early in camp. No, and if you're those two guys, go to the team with hard knocks. I mean, why not? Create your own showcase. Get yourself on television. And that way, if you don't make the team, maybe somebody else sees you and wants to bring you in. So that wraps up day number one, New York Jets training camp, Florham Park. We finally got here. Seemed like it took an eternity, but training camp is in session. And I'm glad that my buddy, Robbie Sabo, the lead reporter for JetsXFactor.com, a website that he co-founded, was able to come on with me and give us the bird's eye view, the first person account of what went down there today at Florham Park. Robbie, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. We'll do this all over again tomorrow. In the meantime, lots of great stuff happening for you over at JetsXFactor.com. You guys are cooking with gas over there. Oh, yeah. We're breaking the walls down, buddy. JetsXFactor.com. Check it out. Go ahead over to JetsXFactor.com. Check out everything that Robbie and the gang are doing over there, including my buddy Joe Blewett, who's doing 12-and-a-half-hour film reviews. And that's just of one player. I believe it was a 12-and-a-half-hour film review of Ashton Davis that he did. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but Joe is known for his thorough film reviews. Check out Joe, Robbie, and everybody else over at JetsXFactor.com. And subscribe, of course, because if you do, you get yourself a Wayne Krebet 8x10 autograph photo, and you can never go wrong having one of those framed on your wall. So make sure you subscribe over at JetsX Factor. Check out everything we're doing over at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. We've got some awesome all 22 breakdowns on our channel, so subscribe and watch our videos, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. doesn't take you much time. doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and Play Like a Jet dot com.